Hello and welcome to Dave's Music Room. I'm David Kavlovic. Really pleased that you have joined me once again for another presentation of some of my favorite tunes and favorite CDs. Earlier today, I noticed that there was a spider in my music room. Now, I, I like spiders because these arachnids tend to eat all the other creepy crawlies. So I decided to take it out. We had a great time. Turns out his name is Bob, and we had a lot to discuss. He can really hold his beer. So by the time we got back, he was quite comfortably ensconced in the corner of the porch. Does that qualify as a dad joke? I don't really know these things. Anyhow, today I think I've got a treat, uh, as it is, for the rest of us. I don't know if Bob the Spider can hear it outside. I don't know if they've got great hearing. What I'm going to present is uh, something that I decided um, would be a lot of fun for a whole broadcast, and that is the great Jacques Lucier Trio and their first three discs of what were known as Play Bach. That, were the, that was the title of these discs. There's more than three, uh, but I got a collection of the first three uh, in the last little while. Uh, very glad to have them on CD, and I couldn't decide which of the three to play, so it was just easier to play all three. And I think you will enjoy them, because these are great classic performances of what is known as third-stream jazz. That's jazz that takes on elements of European classical music, although it can be argued that uh, those elements were always present in jazz going way back to the beginning, but this is not a musicological exercise in jazz history. Jacques Lucet was one of the best exponents of uh, this genre. He was born in 1934 and passed away as recently as 19, uh, 2019. His pedigree is absolutely stunning. His musical training was very thorough, but what was really impressive, to me at least, was the pianist teacher he studied with, and that was the great French pedagogist and pianist Yves Nat. This might explain Lucet's uh, interest and love of Bach, since Nat had a very uh, interesting love affair with the Germanic repertoire. His recording of the complete Beethoven sonatas is something to behold. So this is all in uh, Lucier's background. He's had quite the storied career, working with all sorts of famous um, pop and jazz artists, including Charles Aznavour. So he knows whereof he speaks. And these recordings of works by Johann Sebastian Bach in a jazz setting are absolutely delightful. This comes from a period in the 1950s and 60s where this sort of thing was happening. There was also the great uh, vocal group, the Swingle Singers, under the direction of Ward Swingle, who did similar jazz interpretations of the classics. Now, of course, this sort of thing had a lot of the purists in both the jazz and classical world turn their noses up at that sort of thing, which meant, of course, that the discs sold like hotcakes or crepes, I guess, because this is more French repertoire. <laughs> well, at least the performers are French performing this this uh, German repertoire. Lucier has always had a fascination with Bach, apparently, since his childhood, so this probably predates Nat, but Yves Nat definitely helped pique his interest. He found that when he played, um, when he first studied the inventions and symphonies of Bach, he found that he could 
add little vamping sections to it in a jazz fashion. Now, would Bach have turned up his nose to that? No, I doubt it. This is still very much in the model of improvisation that was known even to Bach. I'm more than sure that in Zimmermann's Coffee House in Leipzig, where Bach presented his secular cantatas as well as his concerted works, I'm more than convinced that there were jam sessions in this coffee house, a lot of improvisation, because improvisation was a huge aspect of music playing once upon a time. It's sort of fallen out of favor, uh, or out of practice, with the exception of jazz musicians for the most part. What Jacques Lussier has done with his trio is take works by Bach. He doesn't really change anything, but he will extemporize, so he might extend things, but you still get the essence of Bach, but within a jazz language. His uh, accompanists in crime in this sort of venture have their own pedigree. You have the percussionist Christian Garot, who was very well known in jazz circles, and the bass player Pierre Michelot, who worked with, amongst others, the great French guitarist, jazz guitarist, Django Reinhardt. So we have an impressive lineup of musicians, three great jazz musicians. Their first disc in the Play Bach series, great play on words there, was released in 1959 on Decca Records in France as well as, uh, well, in Europe as well as in um, Britain before it was issued on London Records in North America. This album that I got is a three-disc set that um, I thought when I was ordering it was the original Decca Masters, but they are not. It's on a label known as Not Now Music. There are a number of record labels out there now offering cheap reissues, shall we say, um, not necessarily using original source material, but still presenting interesting repertoire that otherwise wouldn't be released. Now, in this case, of course, Universal Music has released the uh, Playbach discs. And as I said, I didn't realize that this wasn't the Universal Decca record set. However, I was most impressed and most pleased with what I was hearing, because what this company has done is search out the cleanest pressings of the original issue of each desk, disc, uh, most likely the French pressings because they have a French catalog number. Now, I don't care how clean a vinyl pressing is, you are going to have a little bit of uh, hissy surface noise because that's just the nature of vinyl. But what is very impressive of, of this, and I guess they had a licensing agreement with Decca Records in order to release this stuff, but what's most impressive as being the first pressing you're actually hearing what I would consider to be the master tapes in their pristine condition. Because no matter how well preserved a master recording is, especially on ferrous oxide tape, there's going to be a little bit of generational loss. Minor but important um, fluctuations, I guess, in the iron oxide compounds. So what you're going to hear, and what really impressed me, was an incredibly bright release. So, these releases on the first uh, issue pressings probably sound brighter in many respects than the very clean um, and, and uh, definitely present CD releases, but there is a vibrancy to these uh, vinyl pressings that um, still come through even issued on these CDs. Now, I can get into an argument about how um, CDs have a bad rap for not being present or being warm. It's a long story about why that 
um, attitude towards uh, CDs occurred, and there was some justification, but not anymore. And especially if you have very good equipment, and especially actually if you rip your CDs to um, a hard drive, such as a, a computer, and you're playing just the uh, the audio file with no vi uh, vibrancy vibrations coming from a disk drive thereabouts. What I'm saying is is that you can hear even on this CD uh, CD release the warmth of the LP. You're going to enjoy, I think, I feel three really good discs of incredible playing and incredible sonic quality. So let's start with the first disc, Play Bach Number One, which I said was released in 1959. And the titles, I'm not going to give you the full Bach titles because I'm not going to get into BWV numbers and where these sources were from. But the majority of works on disc one, with one exception, are from the 48 Prelude and Fugues of Johann Sebastian Bach. So we're going to hear in order Prelude number one, Fugue number one, Prelude number two, Fugue number two, then something titled Toccata. Yes, it's the famous Toccata and Fugue. Then prelude number eight, prelude number five, and finally fugue number five. Here is the most enjoyable play Bach number one as performed by the Jacques Lucier Trio.
Jack Lussier Trio's wonderful disc, their very first, Play Bach Number One. Isn't that just delightful? Isn't that incredible playing? Sensitive to the Bach style as well as to jazz. No wonder these discs of the Jacques Lussier Trio in general, because they did other than Bach. They did Vivaldi as well, and straight jazz, shall we say. No wonder these discs sold well over 9 million copies during the lifespan of the trio, and who knows how many more since. Really, really, really delightful stuff. Now, before we get on to Volume 2, it's been a while since I've done one of my shameless promotional plugs of other podcasts and online streaming things that relate to music that I think are important ventures online, especially in this time of COVID isolation. This particular one, I think, is most outstanding. Now, there are millions of most outstanding podcasts, I'm sure, out there. What makes this one most outstanding? Because I say so. Well, beyond that, it's a podcast created by two young musicians in Great Britain, Hattie Butterworth and Rebecca Toll. They have created a blog and podcast called Things Musicians Don't Talk About. That, when I saw it, gra grabbed me right away because I immediately knew what they were discussing. And that was issues concerning mental health, which is still a big taboo in society in general, though things are getting better, but especially so in the music world. A world that is rife with insecurity. Yeah, musicians can be very insecure. Competition because of that, feelings of of insecurity, as I was pointing out, but it goes broader than that. They discuss issues that, in my day, we would never have openly discussed. We just soldiered on and suffered these horrible things. Such things as personal mental health experiences. Both hosts, Hattie and Rebecca, are very open about what they've gone through, and I think that shows tremendous advantage in the exception of uh, exception of mental health issues in recent times, but there's still a long way to go. And as I said, musicians still have to deal with this an awful lot, amongst other aspects. Sexual harassment, racial harassment, those are two issues that the classical music world especially still has tremendous problems with. Back in my day, eons ago, this was going on and was only whispered about, but nothing was ever really done. I've had family friends, including personal friends going way back to childhood when I was growing up, who were in the music industry, who experienced this sort of sexual unwanted approaches, abuse, but they accepted it as the nature of the business, especially if they were breaking into the grounds of the recording industry. This shouldn't have been the case. It was. They had their reasons for not going forward, but they should never have ever been submitted to this. And to this day, issues like this still occur, and they shouldn't. Classical music needs a big Me Too wake-up call, as well as an understanding and acceptance that they have a serious racial issue. These two hosts 
tackle those topics. They tackle other topics, interviewing many musicians, including addiction, another big issue for musicians. Body shaming. This is now a pandemic issue in the opera world. You may not be a musician, but you will probably gain a lot by listening to these youthful, and I want to use the word naive in a positive sense because there's nothing wrong with naivete. We've all been there. Naivete is a clean slate. These two musicians, Hattie Butterworth and Rebecca Toll, have not been tainted by decades, shall we say, of bad behavior that can wear one down to a reluctant acceptance. No, with their naivete, they are challenging these mores and concepts, and well they should. This is a brilliant, brilliant enterprise on their part. They are so much fun to listen to, I must say, because they still have youthful exuberance. And I always like to hear young musicians develop their talent and their understanding of the world in general, the music world in particular. It's great to hear these musicians, young as they are, try to tackle these issues. They are doing the music world a great favor. It is absolutely no surprise that this podcast has won awards, and it has. You need to check it out. So the name of the podcast, oh, and the award, by the way, I shouldn't forget it, is the Classical Music Digital Awards. They won it in 2020. Highly recommended podcast. I strongly suggest you all check it out. It will do all of you some good, especially the musicians. It's called Things Musicians Don't Talk About. Well, they're talking about, they're talking about it now, and congratulations to these two wonderful hosts, and more power to them to bring about greater awareness of these issues within the music world. Now, let's continue with the second disc of Playbach, Playbach number two. In this release from 1960, the Jacques Lussier trio decides to actually tackle a full-length work of Johann Sebastian Bach, one of his piano partitas, this one being number one in B-flat major. We're going to hear all six movements in a jazz form. So the six movements are Allemande, Courante, Sarabande, Menuet 1, Menuet 2, and Gigue. After that, and again, I'm not going to tell you where these works originated in the Bach oeuvre. I'm just going to give you the titles because some of these are so famous you'll probably recognize them. So after all the movements of the partitas, we then, the partita, we then follow with chorale, prelude number six, aria, prelude number 16, fugue number 16, and finally prelude number 21. Here is Playbach number two, by the Jacques Lucier Trio.
Play Bach number two by the Jacques Lussier Trio. We heard the full partita number one for keyboard of Johann Sebastian Bach, Jazzified, as well as a couple of famous tunes from other works of Johann Sebastian Bach and some more preludes and fugues from the 48. Jacques Lussier was not the only person influenced by the 48 preludes and fugues. Jazz pianist John Lewis, he of the Modern Jazz Quartet, released two discs for Philips Records of his interpretations, jazz-wise, of the Preludes and Fugues of Bach. And, oh my goodness, they're fantastic. One day I'm going to program them. Now, let's get to the third disc. Before we do that, I would like to remind you that you are a guest in Dave's Music Room, and I'm David Kavlovic. As far as I know, Bob the Spider is still outside. I don't see him, but... Oh, I don't know, maybe some bird swooped down. I hope not. Bob is a decent guy. Yes, so you're listening to Dave's Music Room, and I have an email address. I would definitely like to hear from you at some point in time, your opinions on music and what we're listening to. So drop me a line at kapustadave at yahoo.ca. That email address is embedded in the link that you reached from whichever favorite podcast site you use to listen to this podcast. So let's get to the third disc. In my opinion, of the three early um, playbox discs, there were a few more afterwards, but of the first three, I think this third one is the most secure. I think by this point in time in 1961, Jacques Lussier was feeling pretty confident in his abilities to perform the music of Bach in a jazz fashion. This disc has not one single prelude and fugue from the 48 of Bach, but it does have another lengthy work. This time the Italian concerto for keyboard. So we hear its three movements, Allegro, Andante, and Finale. Then we hear a number of selections from the two-part inventions of Johann Sebastian Bach. These were works that intrigued um, Lussier as a young student. Well, they intrigued me as a young student, too, I must say, and hearing um, Lussier's recordings when I was a tween certainly uh, increased my appreciation of the skill in composing these inventions uh, that Bach uh, demonstrated, as well as their flexibility for improvisation. So we're going to hear of those, improvi uh, those improvisations, those inventions, numbers 1, 2, 5, 8, and 15. And finally, the disc finishes with the wonderful chromatic fantasy in C minor. Here is Jacques Lussier Trio and Playbach number three.
Play Bach number three, the third of many Play Bach discs and the third of the first three that we've heard in their entirety today in Dave's Music Room. The Jacques Lussier Trio consisted of Jacques Lussier Piano, Pierre Michelot Double Bass, and Christian Garot Drums. I hope you found those discs as delightful, incredible, and enjoyable as I do. I could listen to them over and over and over again. Now, some of that has to do with Bach. I gotta tell you, when I worked in a classical record store as a teenager, we often performed or played, performed, we often played recordings of either the Bach Four Kestel Suites or the Six Brandenburg Concertos. There were plenty of discs we played that I got tired of, but I have never been able to tire. I've tried, but I've never been able to tire of those works, of anything of Johann Sebastian Bach, and of these incredible jazz performances by the Jacques Lussier Trio. If you love jazz, and I know some of you do, and you don't have an upturned nose, as I know most of you don't, these are recordings well worth purchasing, either in a solid form as a disc or through a download. I strongly suggest you do either. Right now, I must bid you farewell for this episode. I feel rather upbeat and positive after listening to all this, and I hope you do as well. That is, in fact, one of the main purposes I do these music podcasts, to enrich and feed your mind and spirit. You have been visiting Dave's Music Room. Until next time, I am David Kavlovic. Thank you for listening. <laughs>